If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's Berg Steeler fans. What's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and you have tuned in to another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday. It is hump day, and you've heard a lot of me. (laughs) If you think about it, Sunday I did the preview. Monday had my regular Let's Ride podcast. Yesterday, Tuesday, gave you a special winners and losers column and obviously a special winners and losers podcast. And here we are on a regular Wednesday, back to the regular schedule, looking forward to tomorrow, having tomorrow off. But still, we have a lot to cover today. Mike Tomlin spoke again because he just spoke to the media uh, after the Monday night win. Then he spoke to the media again on Tuesday as the Steelers have to quickly turn the page from their Week 12 win, 24-17 over Indianapolis, and then they have to get ready for the Atlanta Falcons on the road again in Week 13. Back-to-back dome games, though, so keep that in mind. We're going to give you an injury update. We're going to talk about uh, how the Steelers are now favored in this game. We're going to talk about dispelling narratives, give you DEFCON levels, and as we always do in the second half of this podcast, we're going to dive headfirst into the mailbag. The Ride or Die crew did not disappoint because they never do. All right, let's get this show on the road. Let's start off with the news, the injury update. Mike Tomlin did not have a lot of news as it pertained to Najee Harris's abdominal injury. And it's really, and he said this in the press conference, the reason he doesn't have a lot of news is that he doesn't have a lot of information. I mean, when you think about it, the Steelers fly back from Indianapolis late Monday morning, Tuesday, I'm sorry, Tuesday morning, Monday night, Tuesday morning, whenever they get back into Pittsburgh International. The players go home. He probably came into the facility on Tuesday to get treatment, 
to get tests run, all that stuff. There's a good chance that by the time Mike Tomlin spoke to the media at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, he didn't know the results of those tests, and therefore he doesn't know. He has no idea. And he was asked later in the press conference, is this something that's going to linger? Is this something that he could just miss a week? He said, honestly, I don't know. We, I don't know because we don't have the results of those tests back yet, and that's understandable. This is I don't think this is coach speak. I don't think this is Mike Tomlin trying to keep the cards close to the vest. Any, any way you want to, however you want to call it, doesn't matter. I think this is literally he just doesn't know. Other than that, uh, he didn't really mention any other players. It was a long list of players that are, as he put it, being evaluated or having to deal with the bumps and bruises associated with the game of football. Larry Ogunjobi, Minka Fitzpatrick, T.J. Watt, just some of the names that he mentioned. Miles Jack was another. Players that are dealing with something. It could be a knee, a toe, a back. Uh, think about Miles Boykin with the oblique. You think about Jalen Warren with a hamstring, which there was no updates on those players either. But still, the Steelers have some injuries. And on a short week, when they have to travel, Keep your eye on the injury reports that starts today, this afternoon, Wednesday. Our buddy Dave Schofield will have all that for you at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, so make sure you check that out so that we don't miss anything. You want to be fully prepared to know what's going on. Prior to the game on Monday night, our uh, we are connected at SB Nation and especially this podcast with DraftKings Sportsbook. The DraftKings Sportsbook had the Atlanta Falcons as favorites. I believe the Steelers had started out as one-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road. Makes sense. I mean, why would the Steelers ever be favored in, in a lot of these games? They, they just don't play that well. Then they go and win 24-17. They've put up 20 or more points every single game since the bye week. They're starting to kind of figure some things out. We'll talk about that during today's podcast. But now, after the win against Indianapolis, the Steelers are now one-point favorites on the road against the Falcons. Some people might not like being road favorites. Some people might say, oh, here comes a Mike Tomlin letdown game. I'm not saying either. I'm just stating the facts, giving you the news that the Steelers are now favored. This is only the second time. Now, this could change. It could swing the other way. But this is only the second time this season that the Steelers are favored to win a football game. The only other time was in week four, again, at home against the New York Jets, in which case we know that was the game where Mitch Trubisky was yanked at halftime. Kenny Pickett comes in. They don't win the game. It's the only time. But here we are. Steelers are now 4-7. and seven. The draft Knicks are all, all pissed off because they feel like they've ruined, the Steelers have ruined maybe a top five pick. But we're going to go through this like we normally do on a Wednesday show, and we're going to talk about DEFCON levels. Remember, DEFCON level one means that something bad is imminent. It is here. It is happening. You don't want a number one. You want a number five. If you have a five, it is the lowest level of awareness. You're good to go. Everything is fine. So keep that in mind as we go through these. But I'm going to tell you where they were last week, if it's an improvement or if it's a step backwards. The Steelers win. We're going to start on offense quarterback. I have it as a four. Last week was a three. It goes up one to a four. I know that there's people that listen to my podcast that love Kenny Pickett, and they probably love it when I talk about how I like what I see. And there's people that listen to my podcast that hate Kenny Pickett, that don't think he's the guy, that probably hate it when I talk about things that I see with Kenny Pickett that I like. Nonetheless, I'm going to just keep it straight. I'm not going to appease any any way. I'm just going to call it the way I see it. And what I see 
is that Kenny Pickett is improving. And like Mike Tomlin said two weeks ago, is it as fast as everyone would like? That includes the fan base. The answer is no. It's not as fast as we would like. We would like to see nothing more than Kenny Pickett go out there and say, hey, guys, get on the back. I can carry this team. Let's do it. But he's not that guy. Not yet. But I like what I've seen. His pocket awareness is better. The accuracy thing is starting to creep up more often than not. But I said this on my Tuesday podcast, which was the winners and losers. At what point is is the guy going to get a little bit of help? I mean, everyone says, oh, he's only thrown three touchdown passes. Yeah, that's a fact. You can't take that away. But if you're going to sit there and poo-poo the touchdown the Steelers got at the very end of the fourth quarter against the Bengals, then you can also point, if you're going to be that type of guy, then you can also be the type of guy that says, man, Deontay Johnson should have come down with that touchdown. And George Pickens had at least two, maybe even three drops in the game. One of them, arguably most would say, would have been a touchdown catch. So... I give him a four. I love the way he's trending. Hopefully he can keep it up. He's not turning the football over, and that is huge. Let's go to running backs. I have it as a three. It was a three. It stays a three. This is not a knock on Benny Snell or Anthony McFarland, but I'm just not that enthusiastic about the running game without Najee Harris and without Jalen Warren. If Jalen Warren can return and he's 100% healthy, I'm talking he practices fully the entire week, there's no setback, or maybe even if he's limited Wednesday, full Thursday, full Friday, no injury, uh, no game status on, on on Friday afternoon, then I'll be excited about the running backs because I think that if you have a three-headed monster of McFarlane, Snell, and Warren, that could be a pretty good and pretty dynamic running back trio. We'll put it that way. But without Harris and with Warren, not so sure. I just don't know if... The Benny Snell that we saw and the Anthony McFarland that we saw are running backs that can do this on a week-in and week-out basis. Think about when Kenny Pickett came into the lineup against the Jets and he, and he threw the ball pretty well. What did we all say? That's easy. It's, it's, the, the defense is not prepared for you. So there might be things that are open that aren't going to be open once they start planning for you. I hope that's not the case. I hope that they convinced that convinced me, and I mean they were talking about Snell and McFarland mainly, can convince me that this should be a four. But as of right now, it stays a three. The wide receivers and tight ends I have is a three. It's actually going down one. George Pickens makes some great catches, but the one thing you don't want to have happen, I don't want to have this guy, and he's young, he's a rookie, he's learning, but I don't want to have this guy be that guy that can make the fantastic catch and yet struggles to make some catches that are a little bit more routine. George Pickens will grow. He seems to be brimming with confidence, and that's not a bad thing. And he seems to be getting a pretty good connection with Kenny Pickett. If you listen to his post-game comments, he was very... Very high on Kenny Pickett. He loved his approach to the game. He he feels like they're getting a really good connection. They didn't practice a lot together before the season started and in the preseason. So this is a good thing for him. But ultimately, I just can't stand the drops. And Deontay Johnson, he, he did his whole, you know, DJ does his classic DJ, catches a pass, could get a first down if he goes north and south instead, dances around, loses six, and now they're facing a third and short instead of a first down. It is what it is. I guess that's what you get. I, if you don't like the contract, it's, there's nothing you can do about it at this point. We'll put it that way. So it goes down one. It's a three. Next, offensive line. I have it going up. It's moving in the right direction. Four. You rush for 172 yards. You you have a pretty good pocket for Kenny Pickett the majority of the night. 
I like the way the offensive line is trending. They are, they, that was a group that stayed healthy together. You know, last week, you think about um, two weeks ago, I guess, technically. Cincinnati, you lose Mason Cole, and that changed everything. They had they got all five together. Their quarterback's still there. I like the way the offensive line is trending. I have it back up to a four where they were uh, after the Saints game. Let's go to the defensive side, the defensive backs, staying the same at a three. I want to see them use that three-safety look. Now, maybe they don't do that as much because of Robert Spillane's not playing. Maybe they don't do that as much because they're not sure how KZ fits with certain players. I don't know. But I want to see that three-safety look. Uh, the defensive backs, they deployed you to Levi Wallace, Cam Sutton, Arthur Millette. There's nothing wrong with these guys. They're just not playmakers. Cam Sutton's a great number two. I think Levi Wallace could be a great number two or even a number three. They don't have a number one cornerback, and that's a problem, and that's something that we'll talk about probably into the offseason. The outside linebackers, I have it going down, down one from four to three. And T.J. Watt, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin did say on Tuesday that he's dealing with some bumps and bruises. Maybe he's still getting acclimated to life in the NFL again after having that hiatus on injured reserve, but still – I just wanted to see them get to Matt Ryan more than they did. Alex Highsmith came up big when it mattered, but that outside linebacker position, they just could not get home. And that's what it's all about. you got to get home. Inside linebackers, and that's down one, by the way, the outside linebacker number. Inside linebackers are a three. The inside linebackers, without Robert Spillane, you saw that it's just status quo. It, It wasn't a Robert Spillane issue. It's an inside linebacker issue. It didn't matter who they put on the tight end. I think his last name is Woods uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. He ran all over everybody. Devin Bush, beat him. Miles Jack, beat him. Safety, Trell Edmonds, beat him. Doesn't matter. So inside linebacker stays at a three. I want to see him healthy, and they got to figure something out there. Defensive line is a four. It stays a four. Larry Ogunjobi was noticeable. It was good to see Isaiah Loudermilk making a special teams play, blocking the punt at the end of the half. It was great to see Chris Wormley wrestling the ball out of Matt Ryan's arms on that fumbled, uh, the botch snap with Jonathan Taylor. I like what I've seen from the depth there. Cam Hayward is Cam Hayward. They can continue trending and get to Marvin Leal back. I really like this defensive line. And lastly, special teams goes down one. That kick coverage. I talked about that 89 yard return in my winners and losers column it atrocious Mike Tomlin has every right to call them out he called him out in the postgame presser and he called him out again on Tuesday saying it's just not good enough that's being kind that's being kind otherwise Presley Harvin punted the ball well Matthew Wright was perfect he got a little help from the uh from the upright but still he was perfect but it's that coverage the coverage units have got to get better they missed Miles Boykin and they missed Robert Spillane Okay, so there's the DEFCON updates. Let's talk about the the crux of this show. The Steelers are quietly dispelling uh, narratives one week at a time. So one week at a time, it really seems like since the bye week, they're just picking them off, you know? Hey, Hey, this is something that all these media and fans alike have been saying over and over and over again, and they're just like, picking them off one by one. Doesn't mean that all the narratives have been dispelled. But there's five in particular that the Steelers have really done a great job dispelling some of these narratives, at least in the short term. The first is is none other than Kenny Pickett, in my opinion. You know, going into the bye week, you think about how it, how the, the team played and he played uh, in Philadelphia prior to the bye. A lot of talk was this guy doesn't have it. He's not good enough. Maybe it was a bad situation. Maybe it was a bad idea altogether. I don't know. 
People were saying he sucks, that he can't win. Too many turnovers. Now look, Kenny Pickett's not perfect. Kenny Pickett has not done anything yet in his time with the Steelers that has screamed, I am the franchise quarterback. I'm going to be honest. He has done nothing. Nothing that would make me think that. He has shown me signs of positivity. He has shown me signs that he could be that guy, but nothing that screams it. Nothing that says, wow, like let's, this is exciting stuff. There are still a lot of doubters out there, but you know what? Kenny Pickett has dispelled a lot of his own narratives. The turning the ball over thing. He's thrown 100 straight passes without a turnover. Knock on wood. Hasn't thrown a turnover since before the bye week. You think about how people say that the guy just cannot win games. He's done it. He won at home, won on the road for the first time on Monday night, won in primetime for the first time. He seems to be settling in. He's getting comfortable. That's a big thing. But Kenny Pickett, individually and as an offense, they are kind of they're dispelling some of those narratives. The next one, another offensive one, that the run game is lousy. I mean, think about when not everyone's ripping Najee Harris, saying he was essentially blind, had to use a walking cane because he can't see the hole. Well, Najee Harris turned his game around, but so did the whole running game. Every single game the Steelers have had since the bye week, they've rushed for over 100 yards. You talk about 172 against that Colts defense, a very good run defense. They put up 172 rushing yards as a team. Those are good numbers. And when Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland combined for over 90 yards, they're great numbers. And so now you're starting to see, well, wait a second, that Saints game, okay, everyone's like, well, that's the Saints. It's a pretty good defense, but eh, it's not that great. The Bengals, ah, that's a pretty good defense, but eh, yeah, it's the Bengals, we'll see. And then it was the Colts, and you're like, oh, the Colts, that's a good defense, and they ran all over them. Now you're starting to see, wow, this offense is starting to figure something out. It's starting to become the backbone of the offense, the running game. And it's exciting to see. It's been a while. It has been a while. Let's hope this trend continues. The next is on the opposite side of the ball, the run defense. Everyone said that this run defense is awful, that it's, it's, it's you know, old, washed up. Everyone thinks back to last season when it was the worst in the NFL, 32nd. Well, it's becoming part of the winning formula. Everyone says, hey, you got a rookie quarterback? Run the ball. Stop the run. Don't turn it over. Take it away. Well, this is a part of it, and they're actually getting the job done. Uh, they've slowed down some really good backs, whether you're thinking about Alvin Kamara in, in against New Orleans, Joe Mixon. I know that P. Ryan did his damage in the passing game, but as a runner, they didn't do damage. Cincinnati didn't. And Jonathan Taylor held under 100 yards. That's a good job. Now, the other narratives, there's two more, is that the future is bleak. There's no hope for this team. The future, oh, who wants to talk about the future? This team is going to stink for a long time. Maybe not so much, especially when you look at the youth movement on offense. You're talking about Pickett, Harris, Fryermuth, Dotson, Moore. Uh, you could go down the line to uh, a lot of players. You think about Calvin Austin. Now, Granny hasn't proven himself yet, but he's definitely one of those pickings. Those are all guys I just named that are still on their first contracts in the NFL. And think about what I just said, all those players I just mentioned. And I didn't, I didn't even mention Connor Hayward, Zach Gentry. They, too, were on their first contracts. You talk about James Daniel, Mason Cole. I'm sorry, but, man, like this offense especially, is the future is bright. Not bleak, bright. And on defense, the core is there. The core is there. They do have some holes to fill, but the core is there. The last narrative that is being dispelled is about that offensive line. 
Remember the preseason talk? James Daniel looked like he didn't know how to play on the offensive line. It looked like he was guessing, whiffing on blocks, getting the quarterbacks killed, and everyone said this offensive line is going to get whoever, whatever the quarterback is, whoever it is, they're going to get killed anyways. Remember that narrative? Now, the offensive line has completely turned things around. I mean completely turned things around. And it's a situation where I think about one player. This one player, to me, kind of epitomizes this offensive line this year. Anyone talking about Chooks for? Have you seen anyone complaining? Have you seen anyone saying this guy sucks and is not worthy of that contract that he got last offseason? Maybe there are people that are complaining about Chooks. I haven't seen him. In my opinion, he's played fantastic. And so has that whole right side, including the center. They have been the rocks and the anchors of that offensive line. The left side is more spotty. They have shades of brilliance and then just shades of absolute, complete idiocy. But Chooks Okorafor is the perfect example. The free agent pickups talked about Cole, talked about Daniel. They were good pickups. They're looking good. They're starting to play well together. That offensive line has become a strength, not a weakness, a strength. So those are just a few narratives that this team is dispelling one by one. They're not all being dispelled. And I'm going to talk about that on my Friday show, about some of these narratives that still have to be dispelled. And it might not happen this season. It might have to wait till the offseason. But when we come back, it's time for the mailbag. I'm going to dive head first. You know how we do it. So stay tuned. We'll be right back for that mailbag segment. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, Steeler fans, welcome back to the second half of the Wednesday Let's Ride podcast. It's time for the mailbag segment. In case you don't know how, and if you listen to my show, I don't know how, you wouldn't know how. But still, all you have to do is follow me on Twitter at J, the letter J, Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday, I put out a tweet. I use the gif of the Wedding Crashers movie because that's Kenny Pickett's favorite movie. And I find a, a good gif, and you have to respond to that tweet, and then I answer your question. So there you go. That's how it works. Let's go with Heath Davis. Heath Davis, who said that he was going to delete his Twitter account, he reinstalled the app because he wanted to ask some questions. So here we go. He said, Dan Moore played so bad, I re-downloaded Twitter to complain to you. I feel so fortunate. He said, if you look at teams that have been famous for their offensive lines like the Cowboys – 
How did they go about building that? Why can't we seem to build a dynasty line? Now, I do think the Steelers have built a dynasty line. I mean, when you think about when the Steelers had Villanueva, Foster, Pouncey, DeCastro, and Gilbert, that was a really good offensive line. And you had people, whether it was like NFL.com, PFF, they were ranking them at the top or near the top every single list. They're in the process. I just talked about it at the end of the first half. I love the right side of the line. I think Chooks is doing great. I think that Daniel and Cole, it's the left side I have concerns with. Dan Moore in the first half played really, really bad in my opinion. But there's people like Dave Schofield that knows he knows more than I do about the offensive line. He said he thought he played a fantastic game. It was just a couple snafus. So I'll take his word for it. But you know what? They are going to have to figure some things out in these last few games about the offensive line, mainly Dan Moore. Heath continues. We have two. We have two round one picks and two round two picks that should have been first. Pickett, Harris, Pickens, and Muth. Okay, I see what you're saying. If we were able to do that again for the defensive side, what positions would you draft to make that impact? So he's saying that basically with Pickett and Harris being first round picks, Pickens and Muth potentially being first round picks, it's like they have four ones in that group. So if you were to do duplicate that, it would be uh, on the defensive line, Definitely on the defensive line, inside linebacker, cornerback, and edge an edge rusher. Those four. I think if you can get those players, and you're talking about talent that's almost all equating to a round one pick, that's how you fix that defense, and you have the core impact intact. So you have that edge rusher because of Alex Highsmith prices himself out of town. You have someone that's ready to fill in if he stays. You have that third pass rusher. It can. Definitely ease the burden off of someone like TJ Watt. That's a great question, though. Final final question from Heath. He said, final tweet, when is the first annual BTSC charity golf tournament going to take place? Heath, now you messaged me in the summer saying you wanted to help out with this. When you're willing to do it, I will start getting the wheels in motion. It's going to have to be here in Maryland. I'll see if I can get like a former Steeler and their cause to come out. That would be fantastic. I would love to have some ride-or-die crew members that want to meet on the golf course, sit down, let's talk some Steelers, let's have some fun, we'll do some live broadcasts. That would be a lot of fun. And if you're a golfer and you're a ride-or-die crew member, hit me up. We'll, we'll make it happen. Doc M, Southside Doc, he asked a question. Why does it seem like the, the backup running backs appear to overshadow Najee? I think it's probably because when uh, – I'll use a golf analogy. When I go golfing like for the first time in the next season – so I golf a ton, but next season, you know, you have like December, January, and February, and most of March, where it's just, it's too cold, the ground's frozen, you can't play. When you go out for that first time in the end of March or April, you don't have any expectations. And so when you go out and you're not worried about your swing and you have no th- swing thoughts at all, and you're just out there to say, let's see how this thing goes, sometimes you shoot one heck of a round, so much so that you surprise the hell out of yourself. Now, in this t- in this case, when Anthony McFarlane got in the game and Benny Snell got in the game, I don't know about you, I didn't have many much expectation for them to do anything. Then all of a sudden you're watching, wow, those guys are actually playing really good football. They're hitting the hole hard. Mike Tomlin said it on Tuesday. Benny Snell, that they played to their skill sets well. And kudos to Matt Canada for putting them in positions to succeed. But ultimately, I look at this and say that the offensive line is going to open up holes and they're hitting those holes. And Benny Snell's a very deliberate runner. He's going to get the ball one cut downhill. If the hole's there, he's going. And so maybe that's what they need. Maybe that's not overshadowing Najee Harris, but maybe that's how the offensive line and the running backs need to work together. 
So, oh, I forgot one from one more from Heath Davis. He said, I got a new job. Any advice for my first day? Uh, yeah, show up on time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but other than that, you want to you want to come off as someone that's eager, willing, but not overly eager. Uh, do your job, work hard, uh, be present, uh, and I think it'll go a long way. Brian Haynes asked a couple. He said, "If the Steelers went out and make the playoffs, do they get bumped in the first round?" I don't. If if the Steelers, I'm going to say this in a way that hopefully makes sense because it made sense to me when I heard it. Dave Schofield always says this: you don't want to be the team that's 11 and 0 a la to 2020, and then sputters down the stretch and gets into the playoffs. If anything, you want to do what Tampa Bay did. Sputter early and be red hot when the playoffs start. If the Steelers get into the playoffs, they would be red hot when the playoffs start. And that, that would mean that they'd probably have to win at least six out of their or six more games. No, maybe they could win set that they're not winning the final six. Five, five out of the last six. We'll put it that way. I think that's what they would have to do to make the playoffs. So if they did that, they would be red hot, and I think they'd have a chance. So uh, Brian also says, really hope I didn't miss a show. Can Najee miss a few games and be okay? Could the Steelers be okay? I think they could, especially if they get Jalen Warren back. Last one from Brian. Who is your team MVP right now? Uh, team MVP, most valuable player. I'm going to have to go with, again, value. Most valuable player. I'm going to have to go with Cam Hayward. Because Cam Hayward's the one that's kind of been locking things down when TJ Watt wasn't there. No, they didn't win a lot of games, but could you imagine not having Cam there? Think about it that way. Nathan Van Slyke asks, Hey, Jeff, if the Steelers were to do what the Colts did and hire a former player for a major coaching position like coach or coordinator, who would you pick and why? I've always said I would take a, a Heinz Ward and make him the offensive coordinator or the head coach. I think he'd be good at both. Eric Askew asks a couple questions. Some Steeler fans will celebrate a win, but in the same breath often say that it isn't good enough. Would you take a win, even if it's low scoring, or a win based off of style points? For example, scoring on every single drive. Also, who do you think will win the World Cup? Okay, let's do the first question. Yes, some fans will celebrate a win and then complain in the next breath. Would I take a win even if it's low scoring? Absolutely. In a season where they've only won four out of 11, you take every win you can get. Who do I think will win the World Cup? Look, I hate to disappoint some of you all that listen to my podcast, and I hope I don't turn you off to my show, but I can't stand soccer. Okay, there's only one football for me, and it's what we're talking about, not the World Cup, the other football, American football, the National Football League and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I have not watched a second of the World Cup. I try to avoid it. I'm not a fan. I'm not going to get into that because you, then my, my students who play soccer, they just, it's a constant back and forth between the two of us. The next question from Eric. Last question, I promise, missed the game last night, but it sounds like Kenny targeted Deontay Johnson more, but heard he dropped a few key passes. Based off of that, do you think Kenny lost a little trust in him? I don't know if he lost trust in him. Uh, it just might be that he started looking the other way. That's tough to tell. The, the, the trust factor, I mean, you would have to see something so blatant, like he's wide open and Kenny Pickett just does not throw the ball, and that didn't happen. So uh, it's tough to say. Faustino Flores asks a couple questions, says the offense is progressing, but still frustrating to watch Kenny Pickett. He throws to the check down. It's upsetting as guys run into tackles the majority of the time. Does Kenny need to take more shots downfield and give guys a chance? I keep seeing missing guys open on a slant or downfield. I want to make something blunt here, like brutally clear here, okay? I'm not going to be that type of fan that watches a replay of an aerial view of a play 
and then nitpicks what the quarterback should or shouldn't do. So when Mitch Trubisky was in and people were going off about him, even then when, when you're the quarterback and you have someone bearing down on you or maybe they've been bearing down on you the entire game, yeah, you might have a different outlook on that particular play. So for me, I think they are progressing. I do think that Kenny Pickett sometimes do, does go to the check down a little too early, but I think that's almost natural for a rookie. The next one from Faustino. Also, defending a tight end, not named Travis Kelsey, has been an issue for way too long. It seems like Spillane isn't the only issue in coverage, though they played and got killed for huge gains. What exactly is the solution? Edmonds, Minka, or uh, something else? Please help. So I, I don't know if the answer is on this roster. If you have to put Minka Fitzpatrick on a safety, that's not, a, or I'm sorry, not a safety, on a tight end, that's not the recipe for success because if you're taking one of your best playmakers, maybe your best playmaker in the secondary and having to put him in coverage, that screams that you have big issues with coverage. So that's why I tend to think that I don't think the answer is on the roster right now. I think they need to look at inside linebacker and it's just a shame. I get sad literally when I think about how this team has never fully recovered from Ryan Shazier's injury. All right, King Tibbs says, Jeff, you rock. Let's ride is the shiznit. I, he said it, not me. And Ghost Dealers, hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, King Tibbs. He said, my question is, what are your thoughts on Kenny's over, Kenny overall at this point? Franchise quarterback in the making or jury still out? So again, I'll say this. I said it earlier. Uh, Kenny Pickett hasn't done anything that has made me say, all right, they got it. They got him. He's the guy for the next 18 years. Book it. Keep him healthy. Build it around him. That's the guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl. But I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want you to take that as that he's not playing well. I think he's progressing. I would hope to have that feeling next season. After a full offseason, he is the guy moving in with maybe a new coordinator that's going to build it around him. That's when I hope you see that look of this guy is that guy. It's a great question, though. Amanda Ullman asks, is it naive not to think that if at season's end, Pickett looks to be the guy, in her parentheses, like he does now, that the decision to keep Canada will ultimately be up to him if he likes him and wants him back? Is that enough for Canada to stick around? This is a great question. So in other words, the question is, if at the end of the season, the offense is looking better, Kenny Pickett's looking better, and is, is it going to come down to Art Rooney, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Andy Weedle, pull Kenny Pickett into an office and into their office and say, look, Matt Canada is the coordinator now, and you've shown some progress with him. Do you want him back or do you want him gone? If you want him back, we will tolerate him for another year, and hopefully you all can build this thing together. Or do you want him out and want someone new? Because if that's the case, that's what we'll do. I think they could do that. I absolutely, if they, if they trust, if they're putting all their eggs into Kenny Pickett's basket, then you have to do that. You have to get a guy that the quarterback is comfortable with. And if he's not quarter, comfortable with Matt Canada in every single way, then you got to cut ties. Aaron Cummings, Cummins said, not really a question, but was thrilled that Jeff Saturday actually had worse clock management than Tomlin towards the end of last night's game, which helped the Steelers secure the win. Yes, very good. Uh, that, that was definitely a benefit for the Steelers. She also asked, any new updates on Boswell's groin? I feel like this injury has kept him out for what, like almost two months now. It hasn't been two months. Remember that this is the third game 
that Chris Boswell has missed. He has to miss four, and Matthew Wright has to stay on the roster for three games since they poached him off a practice squad. So he's played the three games. They're not going to get rid of Matthew right now. And when you think about Wright, he's getting the job done to an extent, but they miss Boswell. Haven't heard any update because they never talk about players that are on injured reserve. Jeff Coons asked Jeff, great tweeting with you during the game. I always enjoy our banter. Question is, is a running back rotation the best way for the Steelers to sustain any kind of offensive momentum? Ride the hot hand with Najee Hurt. This may be a necessity. I think if they can get, again, I've said it already this show. If they can get Jalen Warren back and he's healthy, I like that trio of Snell, McFarland, and Warren. They all bring a different dynamic. Warren is a hard runner. He's a one-cut downhill guy, but he's faster than Snell is. Snell is more of a bruiser. Anthony McFarlane wants that space. Give him in, Get him in space and let him he's – a, he's a burner as well, but he's different. He's not the type of runner that Jalen Warren is. I love that trio if they can get them all there. All right, casual Steeler fans is two things. First, I just want to acknowledge how weird it was watching Snell and McFarlane combine for almost 100 yards. It felt like I was living in a weird alternate timeline. Second, Pickens had some uncharacteristic drops. Anything to be concerned about? Like I say with any type of mistake, whether it's an interception, dropped interception, a drop pass, until it becomes habitual, I'm not concerned. So if if George Pickens goes out next game in Atlanta and he can't do anything, he can't catch anything, then I'm concerned. But if he goes out there and makes crazy catches, makes all the routine catches, doesn't have a drop, okay, that was a bad game. That's how I deal with all that stuff. All right, uh, Will Caldwell says, overall, a good job by the offense yesterday, including Matt Canada. That said, if you could get rid of one of these plays, which would it be and why? Number one, the screen to Zach Gentry. Number two, the toss to Najee Harris. Number three, running it on second and 10. Or number four, the boot shovel to Derek Watt. For me, it's uh, the screen to Gentry. I feel like they've gone to that well so many times that other teams, whenever Zach Gentry is on the field in a certain formation, they're just waiting on it. They are literally waiting on it. So uh, that's that's a just, hey, let's throw that play out. We're not going to use that for a long time. Maybe we'll dig it out against the Browns in Week 18. But other than that, no, that's the one I would get rid of. Quality Electric says, would you consider allowing a listener to, <laughs> to pick your sponsored parlay? It might be time to shake things up, LOL. You know what? Here's the thing. A couple things I want to make clear about my DraftKings Sportsbook uh, parlays. Number one, I'm not a gambler, okay? I had never done this to this extent in my life before this season. So I'm learning a lot, and I'm getting a lot closer. Uh, I had two of the three legs, and I just, Pat Fryermuth just couldn't get 50 yards. If he got 50 yards, I would have nailed them all. But still, one of those things was like, man, I'm just getting so close. Another thing is is that I, ha- I have certain criteria I have to fit with these parlays. Uh, these are not parlays that I can just go and get pick whatever I want. Uh, it's got to be all Steelers, and this team is really tough to predict in case you haven't figured it out. But I think it's funny that you said that. Matt Sable says the offensive line seems to be improving through the season. How much credit goes to the new O-line coach and how much to cohesion from playing together? I think it's both. Uh, you have to credit the coaches some when the product is good, and you also have to credit the fact that they've all stayed healthy enough to play most of the snaps together throughout the first 11 games. That's still remarkable to me. Michael Anderson says, which current offensive lineman will start for the Steelers next year? Uh, Mason Cole, James Daniel, 
Chooks Okorafor, I think they are locks. The left side, that's where you could see some change. Kevin Dotson, Dan Moore, I'm not sure if they're sold on them just yet. They have to prove it down the stretch. Last question from Joel Crouch. First time asking a question. Thank you, Joel. He said, been listening for years. Love you guys. Have you seen enough from Kenny Pickett to be excited for the future? I personally think he's our guy. We just have to have the rest of our offense together, win or lose. He's a lot of fun to watch. Here's my thing about Kenny Pickett. Like I said, he hasn't done what I've, I've, he hasn't had that moment or that game or those games, plural, where you say, that's it. He's the guy. I've talked about that, but I have seen enough to be really excited about the future. And I think those two can coexist. I think those two can coexist. I'm very excited about the future with Kenny Pickett. So, all right, folks, that does it for me. I am, I'm done for a little bit. I'll be back on Friday. We'll have the DraftKings Sportsbook Parlay for week 13 against Atlanta. Uh, the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Betts will be back. I'm going to give you the heart-to-heart, all that good stuff. So make sure you stay tuned in and locked into that. And make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We have some great coverage there. You don't want to miss it. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. We'll see you on Friday.